The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio, the world's most dangerous podcast. This is episode number 183, which is amazing. With me again this week, my good friend and yours from RedLegNation.com and Cincinnati Magazine and the Hardball Times and just all-around good guy, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am tired. Tired? Why? I can't imagine why you'd be tired. We have, as some people know, uh, we have recently relocated. and I'm coming to you from the newly inhabited uh, Linden World Headquarters. Um, and it's been, it's been an exhausting time here, but we are excited about the products we will have to offer you in the future. Oh, very exciting. Stately Linden Manor. Is that, is that what you call it? We can call it that if you want. I can jump over that. Stately Linden Manor. Man, yes. Excellent. Well, you know, I'd like to talk about it. And, and later in the podcast, if you keep listening, uh, friends and neighbors, we'll give you Jason's home address so you can go visit him. But right now, let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds. How about that, Jason? Okay, that'll work. You know, this has been a tough season. <laughs> oh, what? It's been a little bit of a tough season. World Series? Uh, from Ohio that's won 22 in a row. That's the Reds, right? Oh, yeah. Well, kind of because, you know, Edwin Encarnacion and Jay Bruce contributed to that, have contributed and to that. Both Reds. So <laughs> it's a good year to be a Reds fan. It's kind of exactly like the Reds. Oh, man. <laughs> no, it's not like the Reds. Um, no, no. But, hey, listen, I am happy. For uh, you know, Jay Bruce got the game winning hit, the walk off tenth inning uh, hit to uh, was last night. We're recording this on Friday to uh, secure the twenty second victory in that big streak for the Cleveland Indians. And I got to tell you, um, <laughs> it, it kind of makes me sad to see Bruce doing things for other uh, teams. But on the other hand, man, you know he's one of our guys, right? Yeah, we don't stop rooting for Jay Bruce just because he gets traded. Exactly, he's too affable. Exactly. We'll, we'll never, ever stop uh, reading for Jay Bruce, I'd say. But let's get back to these old Reds. Um, it's been a rough season, as I said, and the first thing I want to talk about, and I, I didn't give you a heads up on this uh, as a potential topic, but uh, let's, let's dig into it quickly and then dispense with it. The Reds are guaranteed now to have a losing season, a losing record. They can't lose 100 games even if they lose the rest of the way out, but they're guaranteed to have a losing season, and they were just eliminated this week finally from playoff competition. And, you know, we were hopeful they might be able to flirt with 500 this year. I don't think anyone's particularly surprised that it's another losing season, but it's 14 losing seasons out of the last 17. Jason, that's tough. I mean, that, how do we deal with that as a Reds fan? Um, I'm not sure I can give you a family-friendly answer. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's true. It's it's yeah. It's it's, been we you and I are all constantly talking about fun and having fun. Yeah. How how are we still able to watch this team every day? And you and I watch them just about every day, and still well, sort of treat it as fun. From my end, I mean, 
you know, it has been an interesting season because there have been so many young guys and kind of seeing what they, they're doing. And maybe it took longer to figure out what was going on, like who was going to be the real contributor or whatever than we thought it might. But, you know, when it came down to it, we still, I think, have, have uh, figured it out. <laughs> and, and so I think, you know, it was painful this year, but it may end up having been worth it. I, I think that's the difference this year is that it, maybe we're d- delusional. That's certainly possible, but there's some hope. And that's what we've sort of said all year is that you can at least squint a little bit. You can see the future now finally taking the field. But l- let me talk just very briefly about those 17 years of which 14 were losing seasons. The three winning seasons were fun, but those in those that's uh, 17 years since 2001, the 2001 season, including the 2001 season. 18 different teams have advanced to the World Series. None of them are the Reds. 26 different teams have made it to the League Championship Series since 2001. And, of course, none of, none of those are the Reds as well. Four teams have not made it at least to the League Championship Series since 2001. The Reds, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the San Diego Padres, and the Washington Nationals. Dusty Baker's Washington Nationals. Who may, who may make it this year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not betting on that's that either. That's not that much fun. Yeah, that's... So so here's here's what I say. I'm going to guarantee right here on the podcast. This is an absolute money back guarantee to all listeners of Red Leg Nation Radio. The next 17 years are going to be better. What do you think, Jason? I concur wholeheartedly. <laughs> they better be or ooh. Well, I think look, like, you know, as rough as the last few seasons have been, there's a marked difference between these last few seasons and the horrible decade that started the you know, the new millennium, if you're a Reds fan, which is that, you know, in that time period, it was all, it was constantly like they were trying to, you know, what, what is it? The, they were trying to patch it down with their finger or whatever, whatever the saying is. Right. Yeah. And, and it just wasn't going to work. Like you can't just sign random has been free agent and expect to be competitive, but that's what they were trying to do. Whereas this, this round, we've had much more of a, of a tear down in order to rebuild and and have and re, and field again a competitive team, which I think they are um, getting close to. I think you know. I think we. I really do think that we are about to see the payoff. Yeah, the last three years, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Those seasons have been as bad or worse, really, than any of those years in that seventeen-year span that that we're talking about. But that you just hit on the exact difference, which is at least we can see what they're trying to do. In the early 2000s, they had a pretty good offense, and they thought, well, let's just try to patch that pitching staff with all the Tim Pews and Jimmy Haynes's and Elmer as we can get our hands on and see if we can cobble together a rotation to compete right now. Rather than having any kind of, especially in retrospect, you can tell, there was no long-term strategy to make the team competitive. It was, hey, maybe we can catch lightning in a bottle because we've got some you know, decent hitters, and uh, maybe we can prevent enough runs to have a lucky season. I mean, that's really looked to me. And in retrospect, I think it's been proven. That's the, that was the strategy. Now losing has been part of the plan. They had to tear it down and you can see now some of the, it's starting to filter through. And uh, as I want to talk about in a moment, really the first, the the next phase is this rotation. And I think I, I agree with you. They're close. And if things go really well with the pitching again, now we're, now we're hoping a little bit, but if things go really well with the pitching, Next year could be uh, the fourth winning season out of the last eighteen. I do. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. 
Yeah, I um, wrote about the, the, the forthcoming pitching staff, or I guess next year's pitching staff for Cincinnati Magazine this week, and, and tried to make a case that the Reds could field an, an average to above average rotation next year um, without, without even requiring a whole lot from some people who are really supposed to be counted on this year. I think I want you to get into what and tell sort of your thesis from that piece. But what my takeaway was, the you really don't have to squint that hard to try to, to try to convince yourself that this could be a decent rotation next year, even though it's been almost historically bad this year. Uh, as you as you noted, and I want you to sort of get into that a little bit. Man, they're really uh, this is not delusional Chad here. Okay, they're really not that far away, and it won't require everything to go right. Well, yeah, here's, okay, here's kind of the deal. I, guess, I suppose there are two things. One is that the pitchers, for the most part, who are in the rotation now, or, you know, a couple of them, like, you know, Castillo's been shut down now, but who would be in the rotation next year, are not the pitchers who are in the rotation for most of the year. That's number one. Number two is, you know, and this was a thing that I, I think is really, um, really relevant, is that we thought, we were just wrong about which guys it was going to be, maybe, and, 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 the thing I trace back to with that is everybody remembers when Jay Bruce was going to be a Hall of Famer and Joey Votto was going to be essentially what Todd Frazier ended up being, right? Like a very solid player who's, who has several good years and then you move on. Well, that's not what happened, right? The reverse of that happened. Jay Bruce is a solid player. He's a good player, but he's not a Hall of Famer. Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer, right? So we thought it was going to be Cody Reed and Robert Stevenson and Amir Garrett. And apparently it's not. It could it could still be, but right the the narrative has shifted. It's going to be Luis Castillo and Tyler Molly and Sal Romano, which is not the most surprising thing in the world. The most surprising thing in the world would be if it was going to be Tim Adelman and uh, Jason Wojciechowski, or however you say his last name. Like that would be the most surprising, right? This is like, oh, well, that's not what I would have guessed, but I I can see it. Well, we knew so, some, we knew some of these guys were going to pan out. These young pitchers. Right. We just didn't and necessarily know which ones. Um, and I think, you know, all of those guys, I think Castillo and Molly certainly are going to be above average pitchers. I think Romano is probably has average pitcher is, is sort of around his ceiling. And who knows? Who knows? Sometimes guys surprise you. But I, I don't think that, that the Reds are in any way, shape or form doomed. I think those three um, who, you know, Romano had some injury issues this year, but not none of them has historic injury issues like that, you know. They've all been reasonably healthy. I think they can be counted on next year uh, to be good pitchers. And so that's three spots in your rotation. And then, you know, everybody wants to be like, oh, well, Homer Homer and Disco and, and Finnegan, what about them? And to which I say, Homer and Disco and Finnegan together have thrown as many innings as Luis Castillo threw this year. So let's count on them for one rotation slot. And then you need a fifth starter. Right. And, and the fifth starter is, uh, it could either be, one of these other guys, uh, Ricky Davis, Amir Garrett, Robert Stevens, and Cody Reed, if he's not a reliever. Or maybe two of Bailey, uh, Homer Bailey and Anthony DiScapani and Brandon Vinnigan work out. You've got a, a pretty large group under your construction here, a pretty large group of guys. If you feel like sure. you can count on Castillo, Molly, and Romano, you've got a big group of guys you can count for that fourth and fifth. Or there sure. is another, there's another possibility for that last spot, right? Right. Maybe we go sign a legit number one or number two starter. We is in the Reds, and not we is in me, obviously. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you just you just bought a house. You I can't did. Go I, get, you can't go get a pitcher. I'm trapped out. I can't afford pitching right now. Um, Maybe a reliever. 
on the market and get a legit number one or number two starter, and then you have a whole lot of depth in your AAA rotation, or you shift some of those guys to the bullpen, kind of looks like Cody Reed's heading that way anyway, uh, with the Reds' plan for him. And, uh, yeah, then, you know, you that you put a, a, a very a, a good free agent. I'm not talking about Scott Feldman, though Scott Feldman, while he was healthy, was, was good this year. I'm talking about an upper-tier free agent in a rotation with – Castillo, Molly, Romano, and whoever else of that group of the group manages to be healthy, and that is a rotation that actually might kind of scare people. Yeah, I, I agree. Now I might disagree with some of your uh, uh, placement in here. I, I, I think counting on Molly or Romano to be mid-rotation pitchers next year might be pushing it. You know, those both those guys. Well, Molly's twenty-two, Romano twenty-three this year, I think. Um, but I think they could both be f- number four type starters. But the way I look at it is you've got Castillo, you've got Molly, you've got Romano, you've got Homer Bailey, you've got Anthony Scafani, you've got Brandon Finnegan, you got Robert Stevenson, you got Amir Garrett, you got Rookie Davis, maybe Cody Reed if he's not a reliever. That's a huge group of of pitchers out of which I can't imagine they won't be able to get four spots filled out of that group of and really any of those guys could be uh, decent pitchers. The, the, what makes it exciting is exactly what you said. If you bump them all down one, if if you're not counting on Castillo to be your number one guy, if you're if you're you know if he's a number two guy and you go out and get somebody better than him to anchor that rotation, wow! All of a sudden, it really looks like an impressive. Uh, I, I agree with your with your uh, conclusion. It looks like it could be a really impressive rotation. And then think if a guy like Anthony DiSclafani gets back completely healthy. I mean, he was a number two starter basically, in my opinion. Um, if he comes back and has a fully healthy season and you've got a free agent, then your top three are, you know, unnamed elite free agent uh, DiSclafani and Castillo, and nobody wants to face that rotation in a three-game series. Yeah, yeah, you, you've got a, a number two starter at least as your number three starter. I mean, you've got a, a top three that's as good and as anyone. That's a rotation. That's a playoff rotation right there. Yes, absolutely. Now, uh, a couple of things. First of all, how are they going to get – uh, this big, uh, this big name at the top of their uh, rotation. Uh, General Manager Dick Williams has uh, hinted that they are going to be seeking to make a, a splash like that. One or one or more of these guys that we've talked about out of this group may have to go in in a trade for whoever this pitcher is. They're, they have some other assets they can deal from, but uh, you never know who's going to be involved. But uh, it's really not as unreasonable to go from this year's terrible rotation to go to one that is above average. Just based on adding one guy to the current group, and when you look at it the way you, you've laid it out, it's really amazing that you can get from terrible, terrible, terrible worst rotation in the history of the world to a pretty good one just by adding one guy and you know a little bit more healthy, uh, a little bit more health out of the rest of the guys. That's yeah. just well, it's pretty exciting. Among starting pitchers, okay, Tim Adelman led the team, and here's going to have end up leading the team in innings, right? <laughs> then you've got Feldman, who's been hurt for a fair while now. And then next is Homer, who hasn't been good a lot of the year. And then there's Bronson. And, I mean, God bless Bronson Arroyo. We, we love him here, of course. But, I mean, you know, two of your top five are Adelman and Arroyo. And that's why that's why you're historically bad. It's not the guys who are in the rotation now. It's the guys you had to fill the gaps with when your first round of prospects weren't performing. 
That's funny. At the beginning of the season, if you'd have told me that uh, Bronson Arroyo is going to be in your top, you know, four or five guys in terms of innings pitched this year, I would have thought, "Wow, he's had a huge comeback year. He's right of the ship." No, he's been injured most of the year, and he was awful when he was here. It's because the rotation's cratered, so uh, historically. Um, and, and and yeah, Tim Adelman will not be. Well, if Tim Adelman has the highest number of innings next year, then we're going to be in the same spot we're in right now. They're going to lose ninety plus games again. But that's a that seems to me an, it has to be an aberration. I mean, maybe it's not, but it just seems like it's got to be just an aberration. Uh, Joey well, Votto just hit a first inning solo home run. Uh, and he just got a text message to that effect. Joey Votto with you. And we're number thirty five for Joey Votto as we record. Um, uh, so anyway, again, we can be accused of being sort of Pollyanna Pollyanna ish. Yeah, something like that of being uh, overly optimistic, glass half full here. But I really don't think it's. Uh, I mean, I don't know that I'm going to bet the ranch on this happening, but I, it's not unreasonable at all, Jason. And I really like the the work you did, sort of laying it out uh, in that piece for Cincinnati Magazine today. I also like the work that I did, and I feel that I fully deserve any and all praise that comes my way. Well, that's the last praise you'll be getting from me, young man. <sighs> I uh, had a, I wrote a little bit about this uh, a crone man named Scooter the other day, and to me Scooter Jeanette is the Reds have a real conundrum here. They've got a decision to make: what to do with Scooter, who you know twenty four home runs this year. He's hitting basically three hundred, great year, driven in eighty five. I mean, no no complaints whatsoever about what Scooter Jeanette, who the Reds got for free basically off the waiver wire before the season. Absolutely right. no. Uh, problems with it, what uh, with what he's provided to the Reds, but now we got a now we got a sort of a question, and the the question, of course, is what do we do with Scooter Jeanette now? A lot of people think it's obvious. I don't think it's obvious, but I really, the more I look at it, the more I think there are no bad options here uh, with Scooter. My suggestion was the first thing you need to try to do is if you can trade him, if you can put him in, include him in a deal for a top starter like we were just talking about. I think I think you have to. He's never he's he's not likely to ever be as valuable on the on the trade market as, as an asset as he is right now. So I think you got to look to trade him first. What do you think? Um, I tend to agree. As long as there's market there, you know, it, it's one of those deals where teams are getting smarter. So other people might be like, you know, if, if you and I are like, uh, he's probably not going to repeat that. Most major league GMs also are thinking that. Um, so true, it, true, but don't you think that he could be a reasonable starter for the next two to three years for yeah, I would think so. a major league team? Yeah, I, I, I'll say that what I think should be done with Scooter depends much more on what they plan to do with a couple of other important pieces, um, namely a Eugenio Suarez and Nick Senzel. Um, if Suarez is dead set going to play third base, then it therefore stands to reason that Senzel will play second. And therefore, Jeanette either gets traded or he becomes super sub. If, however, the Reds are deciding to give up on Jose Peraza as a shortstop and as an everyday player because they think Suarez can play short, then Senzel plays third, then I don't necessarily see any harm in having Jeanette as your starting second baseman and then having Peraza as sort of the defense for a sub that lots of teams have who can cover kind of anywhere on the infield. So I think it, it really depends on what do they feel like Suarez and Senzel can do, and then you base what what else you do off of those two players, because those are the, the marquee players that are in the mix in the in the infield. Yeah, 
I, I can see that. I, to me, it looks like the question comes down to, first of all, there are enough options that I think the first uh, question that needs to be answered is, what can you get for Scooter Jeanette? What's he worth out there? Don't trade him away for peanuts, but if he can be you know, a part of a, a real deal to get some real major league ready talent in here that can help the Reds next year, I don't have any problem uh, trading him in a deal like that. I think that would be the first thing. Yeah, can't, I would agree with you. If you can get real value for him, do it. If not, there's no harm whatsoever. And hang on to the guy. He, you know, he's a uh, he's a decent player, and at the worst, he's a good bat off the bench. Yeah. Um, he could also be the guy that if Nick Senzel is going to end up being that second baseman, and there's a lot of questions still about Senzel with the with the vertigo, and you know, he's gonna he's not going to start on the major league level next year. He'll start in AAA. I, there are fewer questions than there were about him uh, this time last year, certainly. He's proven to be a real hitter, um, and he's going to be a major league player soon if his health is is there. But if he's the second baseman, okay, well, you got Scooter there as the stopgap. Maybe the Reds think Shed Long, who's at AA Pensacola this year, maybe they think eventually he's the guy that's going to take over. Okay, if that's the case, you've got Scooter under contract for the next two years, under team control for the next two years. You know, you've got some time if they think that's going to be the guy. It could be Dilson Herrera. It could be Alex Blandino for all, all, I, all I know. But he, he gives you a lot of flexibility, Jeanette yeah, does. Really. They signed him to be a bench guy. So if the Reds have somebody better and he goes back to being a bench guy, great. The Reds bench is better. You know, uh, it's a lot of good, op- lot of options and all of them good as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, there are no, there are no bad options. You know, it, it, yeah, I agree with you completely on that level. And again, we talk a lot about, we talk about, Suarez and Senzel we've talked about, you know, we're getting ready to talk about uh, the corner outfielders. Having too many good players is never a problem. This is one that nobody, no one expected, though. <laughs> it's got him off the, the – the Brewer just gave him away. Man. So it's kind of like uh, if they can't get something for him, it's kind of like Dan Straley, who the Reds got for nothing the year before and turned into the glorious Luis Castillo. Oh. <laughs> How wonderful is that? Every time I think about it, it just – it amazes me every single time I think about it. Um, it's it's kind of like the fact that we traded Alfredo Simon, the corpse of Alfredo Simon, for Eugenio Suarez. I mean, are you kidding me? So kudos to Walt Jockety on that one. Kudos to, to uh, Dick Williams on the Luis Castillo acquisition. Now, as I said, the other one is something that both both of us wrote, and when you wrote about it at Red Leg Nation, you really made fun of me a little bit in your, your post, and I didn't appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm still upset about it. I cried myself to sleep after I read that. I'm but, sorry, Quince. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not sorry at all. Uh, and it's about uh, Scott Schebler and Adam Duvall. And um, you look at their numbers, and, you know, you've been sort of hard on Adam Duvall, and, and both of us kind of have, and both of us have kind of come around on him. He's a, a useful player. But man, if, if only one of those guys can play, or if you're going to package one of those guys in a trade for a pitcher, for example, um, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of keeping Scott Schebler around. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I I kind of think uh, it depends. If you can get a pitcher, a legit pitcher, yes, do it. Um, I kind of I in my head, I kind of want the Reds to have like a four man outfield rotation. Because um, there's, you know, the righty-lefty thing going on with, with Shebler and Duvall that's potentially useful. Um, but I agree that Duvall probably, I mean, 
I, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a Duval convert. I, I dug into his season and, and I looked at history and it's like, you know what? He's probably going to be a useful player for a few years. And I think he probably is. I think Scott Shebler also is probably going to be a useful player for a few years. Um, if you can get value for one or the other of them, trade them. If you can't, then there are worse things than having four to five major league outfielders available to you. The problem is going to be if, uh, and I, I can't argue with any of that, um, I think the only way you look to trade them is if, again, it's as part of a, a deal to bring someone in that's going to help the Reds win next year, that's going to improve the team for next year, whether it's a pitcher or whatever, probably a pitcher. But, you know, I like, first of all, we have to start with the baseline that Jesse Winker has to play. Yeah, Jesse Winker has to play. He can hit and he gets on base. And are you, yeah, are you worried that if both Shebler and Duvall are here, that Jesse Winker doesn't play? No. You think Price plays, Brian Price plays him? Brian Price think- is back next year, by the way. Did you know that? I did, and Twitter's angry about it, oh, especially at you. No, um, right, it's great. But uh, no, I I think he I think he'll play, and you know, he's hit leadoff a few times too. That's encouraging. It is incredibly encouraging. Um, really encouraging. Especially since we had to watch uh, Billy Hamilton and Jose Peraza lead off all year. So this is like uh, we're moving into the uh, 21st century all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, Winker as leadoff, it's a no-brainer. It's just, he's got to play, and he's got to play now. I mean, then that's just that's just all there is to it. He's, it's it's time. It's his moment. He's arrived. He is your starting left or right fielder. Like, it doesn't really matter which, but one of them, he's it. He's your starter. Okay, well, you know, and you say, let's do this four-man outfield, basically, and with maybe Philip Irvin as your fifth outfielder, and that sounds great, and I don't, disagree with it i think you need as many good players as you can get but it's going to be tough after the year adam duvall you know two straight 30 home run years uh made an all-star team scott shebler if you look at scott shebler's numbers this year and take out the six weeks or whatever where he was hurt and didn't tell anyone his numbers are probably better frankly than anything duvall's put up i i agree you're right and you know and i agree with you that you look to trade duvall i think um who two years in a row now has really faded in the second half. Um, and who just turned 29. It's his age 28 season, as you noted, but just turned 29. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I agree that Duvall goes on the market, and if you can get something for him, great. And if you can't, then figure it out. But Jesse Winker plays. Oh, okay. From from your mouth to Brian Price's ears, because I'm not, even though I sort of hesitantly, I didn't really defend Brian Price uh, on the podcast last week and at Red Link Nation and on Twitter and everywhere else. I just said he wasn't, uh, you know, Satan incarnate, um, which evidently amongst a certain group of Reds fans, if you suggest that he's anything but the worst manager in the history of the world, this is, get this ready. Is, this is what I, I say. This is what I'll say. And I, this will be a, I will have to leave because this is a family podcast. I'll have to re- leave listeners to fill in the blank on the end of this. Um, but I know a person who frequently says, um, regarding various things, uh, this this charming aphorism, which is, um, you can't make chicken salad out of chicken, and you can fill in the blank there. Um, Dumplings? No. Feathers? No. But uh, anyway, you know, and that's... that's <laughs> You're not going to say it, are you? No, I'm not. He hasn't had anything to work with. And what? Well, he had Bronson Arroyo in his opening day rotation. He had Bronson Arroyo's reanimated corpse 
in his opening day rotation. Yeah. How is that man supposed to deliver a winning season to you? And a stable not- and a stable of starters that had Tim Adelman at the top of the list. Yeah, like it, it, you can't blame him for that. It's not his fault that guys who were supposed to come up and be able to perform didn't perform. He's not a magician. He's not a wizard. Yeah, you know? but he's also not Sparky Anderson. No, he's not. And he's not Joe Madden or whoever else. But you know what he is? He's a lot like 25 other managers in Major League Baseball. Yes, he ha- he does some really dumb things, like batting Billy Hampton leadoff. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, he, he's hitting Jesse Winker leadoff now. He, uh, not this year, but in the past, he's batted Joey Votto second in the lineup. He has uh, his closer pitching two innings uh, or more. More than I mean, we were begging for Dusty Baker to do that with the Raldis Chapman. So I mean, it's not like he's will and never think outside the box. But yeah, he does play you know, by the book sometimes. One thing I will say, and I've repeat, I've said it a few times, and I think it's worth saying, is that again, is that a few um, months ago, I guess now, I did a, a piece for Cincinnati Magazine about Reds player development, and um, for that piece, I talked a lot to the AAA manager um, in Louisville here, Delano Shields. And, you know, a point that he made, and this is a valid point, is that whatever managers might want to do, they're still working with players who are human beings. And so you have to pay attention to the fact that some players are going to change their approach if you hit them third or fourth versus, say, first or second or fifth or whatever. And, you know, you have to pay attention to that. Not everybody. Joey Votto, we know. We could stick him anywhere. He's going to be Joey Votto. He's going to do what he's going to do. But not everybody thinks that way. You know, if you're a major league player who today has come up, third for most of those guys is still a special place. And if you hit them third, they might it might get into their head, oh, I'm the number three hitter. I've got to be Babe Ruth or whatever. And that's not the best approach for, for most major league players. So you have to pay attention to that psychology. And it's an aspect that the fans just absolutely never see. But I'm certain that a non-zero portion of lineup construction is – well, if I hit this guy in this position, he's a disaster. So I can't hit him. And the corollary to that is, if these fans who are so upset, are, we're judging Brian Price on what we can see. There is so much of a manager's job that we cannot see. And part of that is what, exactly what you're saying, managing uh, these egos and, and try, managing you know, uh, where you can get the most out of players. Dusty Baker was, he may be literally the worst in-game manager I've ever seen in my life. And I think that's why he's always struggled in the playoffs is because in, in for one single game, he just if he could make a dumb decision, he'd make it. But I don't know if I've ever seen a manager who, I don't have any data to quantify this, but his teams are always in the playoff because I feel like over a long haul, he's better at managing those egos. It kind of broke down a little at the end in Cincinnati. There were some problems in the clubhouse maybe, but by and large, I think you know he's good at things that you can't see. I don't... Brian Price may be good at things we can't see. The Reds are in a better position to know that than I am. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and here's the thing: is you know, somebody was said I got I, I made a mistake engaging with someone on Twitter recently about this, and they said something about how you never hear players talk about Brian Price like defending him publicly. But this is what I will say: I have never gotten the sense in any of these years that these are teams that quit. Like, they don't get behind and stop trying, which is a thing that sometimes happens when they're disenfranchised, when you're disenchanted with a manager, or that's the, the, the common wisdom or whatever. I never see that. I've never seen anybody say anything bad. I've never seen anything 
tr- anybody try to avoid saying anything bad. Like, it seems to me like everybody tries their hardest, and sometimes people get frustrated because all the players aren't necessarily great. But it's really hard for me to indict Ryan Price for anything that's happened with the Reds the last few years. Right. He he may not be a good manager. It's entirely possible that the Twitter uh, angry Twitter mobs are correct. But I just don't think we have enough. Uh, we can we can know that because he's just not had anything to work with. And you know, frankly, I would assert that ninety percent of what managers get credit for is player talent, which they have nothing to do with. Would I like to have a guy like Joe Madden? Sure. <laughs> but yeah, you know. Are the, are the Reds Brian Price is like you know twenty six other managers out there basically are is every other major league team as dumb as the Reds are for keeping Brian Price according to uh, the mobs? I mean he's a manager. This is the way managers are, and there you are things. Um, good as Joe Madden is, and I agree that he's an excellent manager. The Cubs were not playing real well for a long time this year with exactly the same roster they won the World Series with last year. Yeah, fire Joe Madden. Actually, yeah. Actually, please fire him because then I'll 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 agree to fire Brian Price at that point. Yeah. Then hire Joe Madden. Okay, but but that goes back to the question we were just talking about. Okay, Brian Price is in place. Brian Price may not be the worst manager, but but here's a opportunity to see whether he can really manage. If he if he has all those guys, if he has uh, Jesse Winker, Adam Duvall, Scott Shebler. Billy Hamilton, all four of those guys, there are convincing arguments for why they need to be in the starting lineup. How does he juggle those four to get all of them enough playing time? I think you've suggested how it can be done. I think I know how I would try to do it if I were in his spot. But will he do that? I'm not that confident, but maybe. You know, we wouldn't know until he had a chance to try. But, man, if, if Duvall or Shebler or Winker on, you know, three days out of five, you have one of those guys... On the bench, you know, not a bad. That's a nice bat coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think there are ways to get all of them, all of them playing time. Shebler is not good in center field, but he can fill in. The day Shebler's spot starts in center field, or where you have Irvin in center field, or whatever, and then you know maybe it's a close game, and oh look who's available to pinch run. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and so you get I don't know Tucker Barnhart on base, and then you send Billy Hamilton in there. You know. And here's what we always exactly. It's it creates a, a different dynamic to the bench, just having these talented players. And and you know what else? Billy, Tam, Billy Hamilton gets hurt a lot. These other guys get hurt. Um, sometimes, uh, like old, uh, I, I've quoted him a couple of times on the podcast. I'm gonna do it again. Like old Calvin Coolidge said, you know, if you got nine problems or ten problems rolling down the street at you, just wait. Nine of them are gonna roll into the ditch and not gonna have to deal with it. This is a situation where Brian Price may not have to be that creative, you know, because players are not healthy or, you know, maybe they'll try to spot uh, Billy Hamilton only against the uh, right-handed pitchers because his, his numbers against right-handed pitchers are good. And then you've got him on the bench, as you say, as a late-inning defensive replacement or a, that dynamic base runner. So there are a lot of ways that could work out. Um, and I, I prefer to have more good players rather than fewer. Yeah. If there's one thing I'm for, it's having good players on the Reds, Jason. I also like having good players on the Reds. <laughs> the Reds are my favorite team at baseball. Oh, I, you know, they are my favorite team as well. Um, I know that's a surprise to all of you that have made it this far into the podcast. I mean, I even like Patrick Kivlihan. He wears the right laundry on the baseball field. Yeah. That, that's the red, that's red and white ones. Yeah. Hey, one last question before we uh, get out of here. Um and we'll, we'll do this really quickly. 
the catcher position, Tucker Barnhart's blown me away this year. Absolutely blown me away. I think there's a good argument he's the best defensive catcher in the league. And his hitting has been, you know, average, which is fantastic when you got a great defensive catcher. Devin Miserocco. What do we expect from – well, I know what you – what you, you don't expect anything from Devin, Devin Miserocco, but yeah. can – can Mesoraco come back and be a 50-50 catcher? What, what are you, what's your gut feeling on that? I mean, what the, the injury that got him this year wasn't like a, you know, it was a happenstance injury. Um, so you're not necessarily worried about that. I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, I don't know. I guess, um, you know between I guess, Barnhart and Mesoraco, you would figure the Reds could get most of their starts covered. And, and I agree with you that Tucker's, Tucker has done quite well. Um, I will say that, you know, he's great defensively, except for when you dive into pitch framing. I believe he yes. rates out pretty average in terms of pitch framing, um, which is which is a little bit of a demerit because that actually can add up a lot over the course of the season. Um, but Mesoraco doesn't rate particularly well as a pitch framer either, I don't think, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, Mesoraco's um, value is going to come in his bat. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's It's... Let's put it this way. I'm not worried about catcher. You know, I think, and I love Barnhart. Tucker's been on the podcast here a couple times. He's been nice to Red Leg Nation, and uh, I'm a big fan of his. But I'll be honest with you, you know, 18 months ago, a year ago, if you'd have told me we were going to be Tucker, stuck with Tucker Barnhart as our primary catcher, I'm probably a little nervous about that. But he's improved with the bats uh, enough to where, you know, this is his age 26 season. He may get better next year. Um, even if we have this guy for the next two or three years, this is, this is a good catcher. This is a, you know, above average major league starting catcher, I think. And, uh, when you consider these basically an average hitter and you're right about the, the pitch framing, but everything else he does defensively, he rates out very, very well. All the metrics, except for framing, he rates out very well. And of course he's thrown out more runners than anyone. So, I would I would love to have a healthy Mesoraco and a healthy Barnhart sharing duties at catcher because I think you can really mix and match those two and get real value out of that position. But if it's Tucker Barnhart getting the most of the starts, I'm I'm okay with that now. And uh, I I think he could be. A, I'm surprised to be saying this now. I think he's proven he could be a part, a significant part of the next good Reds team whenever that is. I I tend to agree. All right. How many games are going to win next year, Jason? 84. 84? 84. That is ridiculous, Jason. They're going to win 96. Okay, you're right. I can't believe you're so pessimistic about the 2018 Reds, Jason. I'm sorry, Chad. It's been a rough year, and it kind of got the best. It's gotten you down. I get it. Well, I appreciate uh, all of you listening to us, and it has been a rough year, and and you all are hanging with us here, uh, even to the end of this podcast. We're going to cut it a little bit short tonight. But uh going to go watch these Reds play, I guess. But I do appreciate you listening. I appreciate you giving us ratings and reviews on iTunes and wherever else you can find the podcast and telling everyone about us. Hey, follow Jason at Jason Linden on Twitter. Follow me at Dotson C. You can follow uh, us at Red Leg Nation on Twitter and at RedLegNation.com every single day where we're talking about these Reds for better or for worse. You know, the Reds have had uh, one of the worst records in the league over the 13 years, I guess it is now, 13 seasons that we've been covering the Reds at Red Lake Nation. But we're still doing it every day and still trying to have some fun with it. Jason, always good talking to you, buddy. Always a pleasure, Chadwick. Um, and uh, to all of you out there listening, thanks uh, once again for Jason Lennon. This is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Oh, no, but wait a minute. Before we go out, 
I'm going to give you Jason Lemon's address. It is. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.